from the World War II times when health insurance was first started in the U.S. I think there's just no accountability in terms of keeping prices in check. Now we have this massive conglomerate industry that's setting these prices without any type of transparency and no accountability. A full 50% of Americans carry medical debt, according to a 2021 report by Debt.com. With numbers like that, it's no wonder why universal healthcare coverage is such a popular proposal with American voters. But why is healthcare in the U.S. so expensive compared to other countries? And what can we do to bring down those costs without compromising on quality? Today, we sit down with Will Brune, the co-founder and COO at Global Appropriateness Measures, to discuss one simple change that could save Americans millions. Will, thanks so much for joining me. Good to be here. Thank you. So first off, I want to get something clear for some people. I think the medical system in general is very opaque to a lot of people, especially the billing side of it. So can you explain briefly how medical billing works and how we got into the situation where we're being charged extraordinary prices for very generic services? So for example, I think you cited in your PragerU video, um, some hospitals have been known to charge up to $100 for one generic aspirin. How did we get there? Yeah, it's a great question and something I think a lot of smart people are trying to understand and fix. Um, and I think I think the way we got there is this long history of not holding our healthcare system accountable to what they were charging. You know, it's been this pretty slow progression now to where we are at with this pretty catastrophic level of um, costs on healthcare um, towards the American population. And so. I think I think it's just been the stepwise, you know, uh, from the World War II times when health insurance was first started in the U.S. I think there's just this been uh, uh, no accountability in terms of keeping prices in check. Now we have this massive conglomerate industry that's setting these prices without any type of um, transparency and no no accountability. Well, I understand there's also this situation where hospitals will bill to insurance companies knowing that they'll only get a fraction of what they bill. So um, can you explain how that works and why, you know, sometimes they'll even give a discount for people, a drastic discount if they pay in cash. Why is that? Oftentimes what happens is uh, knowing that the hospitals are going to be going to the negotiation table with the insurance companies each year to negotiate. You know, if you're a Blue Cross Blue member, plan, uh, member you know, they make a negotiation with each hospital to say, hey, for each of our members, how much of a discount are you going to give of care to allow them to go to your hospital? And so knowing the hospitals, knowing that that conversation is going to happen, they end up inflating their prices excessively so that they can technically offer a larger discount to their members. So oftentimes, you know, a hospital will come to one of the large insurers and say, hey, we've increased your discount for your, your patients from 35 to 40 percent this year with your insurance plan. But in reality, if you look on the back end, a lot of those hospitals are actually increasing the cost of that care by 10 or 15 percent. And so really, at the end of the day, to the patient, they're getting no discount at all. And so that's oftentimes what's happening in the background and why, you know, if you see an itemized bill of what what something costs before insurance deductions, it's just massively inflated. We call those the charge master prices in healthcare. Now, you talked about this in your PragerU video that concealed prices is a major driver of increased prices. Why do concealed prices lead to increased costs? Well, as with any industry, you know, you need competition to be able to drive down prices. You know, if, 
if the car car manufacturing industry and the car sales industry uh, didn't have their ticket their sticker prices on their cars, you know they could go out there and charge whatever they want, knowing that you're going to have no way to shop around. And so I think you're seeing that these massive corporations within healthcare, the hospital systems, the insurance companies, understand that they have this cloak over the prices that. Uh, the the actual consumers, us, the patients don't have access to. And so knowing that they're able to charge really whatever they want, you know, so I've seen some crazy, crazy um, itemized bills, like you alluded to earlier, where, you know, a patient might get a couple doses of aspirin, you can get, you can get 90 tablets of aspirin at CVS for, you know, five bucks, but sometimes the hospitals will take advantage of the fact that the prices are hidden, and they'll charge, you know, 100, 200, 300 bucks for that aspirin. And so, that's that's what's happening here is without without transparency, you're going to get um, these prices inflated because no one can do anything about it. Now, why are medical purchases different from other kinds of purchases? So, for example, uh, other businesses, if they were charging 10 times as much as their neighboring business, they would go out of business because people would shop around and they would go with the better right. price. But what, that's not happening in hospitals. Why are healthcare settings sort of unique in that way that they have this model? Yeah, it's a it's a great question. Um, you know, there's there's two layers of healthcare services that we can talk about. One is shoppable services, and those are the those are the areas that transparency can have major effects on. You know, these are the MRIs, the CT scans, the common blood work you need to do in a non-urgent, non-emergent setting. And then there's also the emergent setting stuff. You know, that you get in a car crash and you're getting rushed to the ER. You know, as a healthcare provider, we have no idea what needs to be done for you to save your life, and so in those instances, it makes sense that we probably won't be able to really have a good estimate as to how much that care is going to cost. But there's this huge chunk uh, on estimate about 60% of all healthcare services are elective, meaning you can shop around, you know, it's a colonoscopy that you need to get, you should be able to look up all the people in your city that do a colonoscopy and have it rated kind of like Amazon of who's the best and at, at the lowest price. And so that's what we're really trying to push for is that that area of medicine that is shoppable, uh, we're hoping to encourage those industries to start posting their prices so that competition can take place. Are there hospitals that are doing that? I mean, I would imagine that some hospitals would jump on that opportunity to do low-cost uh, colonoscopies or, or other types of radiology or, or what have you. Do we see that as a trend or is there an incentive for them not to do that? Yeah, I think we're living in a really exciting time with this topic because there are there are groups all around the nation that are picking up this idea of transparency. You know, here in uh, I'm actually in Oklahoma City right now, and there's a group here called Oklahoma Surgery Center, and they've gone totally transparent with their prices. You go on their website, you click on what body what body part you need to get surgery on, it lists what surgeries they have, and then it gives you an exact cash price as to how much that surgery is going to cost you. And now we're seeing that that go into you know, plastic surgery. We're seeing that in primary care now with direct primary care. They, they post um, just a monthly expense to be a part of their clinic. No hidden fees, no hidden costs. And so we're starting to see these different industries really pick up this idea of transparency. And I think the next 10 years are going to be really, really exciting for this stuff. So one study that you mentioned in your PragerU video is that one in five Americans are in collections over medical debt. I'm not sure if that's still the case. You can let me know. But it's not surprising that the idea of free universal health care would be very appealing to a population that has that problem that's so pervasive. So is socialized medicine a viable alternative to our current system? What are your opinions on that? 
Yeah, it's it's a good question and such a hot topic right now. I, I would say I think of going to a one payer system as sort of a short term fix for a long term problem. I think I understand why people want it. I understand why people are frustrated and just want to say, go, you know, let's just screw the whole system. Let's start something new. Um, I understand those pains. I, I think the problem that you get into there um, is when you look at the economics of the one payer system, um, especially with you know Medicare and Medicaid reimbursement rates to hospitals, uh, it just doesn't work. I think the biggest risk you run into with a one payer system is these smaller hospitals around the country that are in rural areas, which are already very underserved, run the risk of shutting their doors because the the groups that are actually keeping those places alive are the private insurance companies that pay much higher rates for their services. And so I think, you know, I, I think it's a reasonable um, thing that people want. But I think when you dig into the details a little bit, it, it really causes some long term problems for the healthcare system, especially the disadvantaged populations like in rural areas. Now, are there any countries out there that have both cutting edge medical technology and affordable prices? And if so, what are they doing to achieve that? Yeah, there's there's certainly examples across Europe that you see that are doing things really well. You know, uh, you know, Sweden and, and Norway are doing things really well. I, I like to always because those are always the arguments for the one pair system is, you know, look at the European countries that are doing it. And, you know, my argument back usually is that you know, we're dealing with completely different populations between the U.S. and those people. You know, it's like uh, our our rates of chronic disease, diabetes, you know, our cost per patient in our country is so much higher than those other countries just due to the burden of chronic disease here. And so therefore, your your bill for the healthcare services as a whole is so significantly higher. Um, on top of that, you look at countries like Canada and the U.K. and, you know, certainly uh, a lot of the population is happy to have "quote unquote" free healthcare, but you know you look a little bit deeper as well, and you know it takes sometimes nine to twelve months to get into a specialist that's in non-emergent situation. And so there's always going to be pros and cons with this kind of stuff. And um, you know I think the U.S. is in a unique position to trying to figure out what to do with our population and and, and our healthcare system. So I believe it was in maybe the Wall Street Journal a few years ago. There was an article about how Americans would ruin any healthcare system in the world currently <laughs> existing because of the unique culture that Americans have around healthcare. So I didn't mention this before. I was previously an emergency room nurse. So I have um, a fair amount of experience with how um, Americans approach healthcare. And I think what's interesting here is we have um, a balance of people are very aggressive about wanting the next and best thing. They want all the tests. They want to make sure they are very aggressive with um, finding out whatever's going wrong and treat, treat, treat. But simultaneously, we also have a non-compliance issue of, you know, people like to uh, consult with WebMD and maybe argue about it with their doctor. And so <laughs> the consumer model is challenging, but I think we have that sort of baked in problem with our population. So we need to tailor a system that's going to work with our current culture because it's really hard to really hard to undo a whole culture. It's easier to make a solution that fits with that culture. Um, That's exactly right. Yeah. So what would the U.S. system look like if we embraced price transparency? What would change in the hospital settings? Yeah, I think what you are beginning to see the early stages of is these um, private companies step up and and take on the role of, you know, what essentially what Amazon has done in the consumer market, which is, you know, you have companies like Turquoise Health, Sesame Care popping up that 
are taking in, you know, um, in January of 2021, the price transparency rule went into effect, which essentially meant every hospital in the U.S. was now federally mandated to post in a machine readable format all of their prices um, uh, and services of their hospital. And so what, what's happened now is you've got these companies that have come in and said, OK, we'll analyze all that data and we'll make a beautiful little dashboard that shows where the best and cheapest services in your part of the country are. And so I think as those technologies and as those companies expand, you're going to see more and more competition within that 60% of shoppable healthcare services. And I think the hope there is that as competition increases, prices decrease. That's that's what happens with, you know, most markets that have a healthy healthy dose of competition. So my hope is that over the next 10 to 20 years we're going to see some of these services like a colonoscopy dramatically decreasing costs, MRI, CT scans, common blood work, um, other elective procedures, you know, hernia repairs and so forth um, that are going to really decrease the cost and therefore decrease the overall burden of healthcare um, costs on the, the average American. So what you just described, though, is that a mandate that hospitals would have to follow to post their prices. So you're, you're suggesting government intervention to promote a more uh, market uh, type healthcare. Is that correct? Yeah, I think I think you need some level of government intervention on this. You know, the the hospital um, healthcare system in general is is too powerful and too big to, for the private market to take them on themselves or some advocacy group. And so, I think you do need some level of federal mandates. Which um, a couple of years ago, that was one of the last things that Trump had done in office was to sign that price transparency bill, which went into effect um, last January of twenty one. And so now you're starting to see the ripple effect of that with these companies popping up and. Um, I, I have a lot of hope that that bill is going to um, spur on a lot of cool innovation. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, absolutely. And, great to great to talk with you. And where can people find you online if they want to follow your work or learn more about this? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Will Bruhn, B-R-U-H-N. That's, that's mostly it. Um, and uh, feel free to reach out on our website as well, gameasures.com. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks so much. All right, folks, that was the end of today's Office Hours. Until next week, I'm Georgia Howe, and thanks for tuning in.